Welcome to the podcast, everybody. It's just after Christmas. Uh, I hope everyone had a, a really, really nice Christmas. And if you haven't caught up on all our episodes, I fully expect you did that on Christmas morning. Um, so I hope you enjoyed them. Today on the podcast, we're joined by Phil Bradley. I've known Phil for a little while, and he's got a dog that has gone blind. Now, the dog wasn't born blind, um, and I really, really wanted to talk to him about how the dog coped and, and how he coped. And I find it really, really interesting. And the insight he brings uh, to it is is fascinating. So without further ado, let's start the podcast. Welcome to the podcast, Phil. Thank you very much, Alan. No problem at all. It's really nice of you to join us. Now, you're you're joining us from not a million miles away. You're just down the road. That's right. I'm in Bilirikki. Excellent. Um, and you're relatively active in the dog world. Uh, yes, I suppose that I am. I started the Facebook Billericay Dogs Group uh, about five years ago, and that's now got over 4,000 members. And it really does seem to be the place that dog owners, dog walkers will gravitate to. And we chat on a regular basis about dogs and share pictures and we arrange group walks uh, on a regular basis so it's a really very nice little community of about four thousand as i say excellent very nice and and that's something maybe we can we can delve into a lot deeper on another podcast but um today we want to talk to you about the fact that you own a blind dog that's right i do his name is mr rusty pants or rusty for short and he's a 10-year-old fox lab. He had his 10th birthday uh, about three days ago, in fact. Okay. And he, as you say, he's, he's um, I don't like saying blind dog. He's a dog that, that is blind. And it's an important point, which I'll come back to. Hmm. In, uh, well, Christmas last year, he could see perfectly well. No problems at all. But by January the 4th, he had no sight left at all. So he cannot see anything no light or dark absolutely nothing at all and i first noticed that there was a problem when i was throwing the ball for him and he was running to find it and even though it was right at his feet he he couldn't see it at all and i thought you know this this doesn't seem right so i i checked on the web and there are a couple of tests that you can do i got a, a tissue paper screwed it up and dropped it so that it fell right beside his eye and obviously if a dog can see it's going to look at that and he just didn't see anything at all and the other thing that you can do is you can poke your finger towards obviously not touching uh, towards their eye and they should of course have some sort of reaction mm -hmm. and there was nothing from him at all so i took him to my local vet and my vet thought that he had a PRA, progressive retinal atrophy. But he also said that he's not an expert in the area. So we went to a specialist up at Cambridge and had two consultations there. And within very short order, they diagnosed that he has something called SARDS, S-A-R-D-S, which is Sudden Acquired Retinal Degeneration syndrome and basically what that means is that the retina at the back of his eyes have basically disintegrated died whatever and so his brain doesn't get to see light hmm. 
Mm. So the light actually goes into the eye and his eye ironically is perfectly fit and healthy, but there's a blockage where the um, retina should be so that the light data doesn't get from the eye to the brain. So basically he's, he's completely blind. And as the name suggests, it's sudden, but that, that's a very short period of time that happened. Well, yes, it seems to be uh, with other dogs that have got this syndrome. And it's worthwhile stressing it is quite rare. Some dogs do go blind literally overnight. Oh, wow. Well, that's not good, is it? Is it particularly prone to, to certain breeds? Or? It's interesting in that it's a relatively new disease. It's an autoimmune disease. There's very little research that's been done on it, so people simply just don't know at this stage. The theory at the moment is that it's an increase in estrogen, which affects the retina. So we still don't know an awful lot about it, but generally it is something that affects smaller dogs, which he isn't. It affects female dogs, which he obviously isn't. Um, the only thing that he does sort of like fit the bell curve for is that most dogs with SARDs get diagnosed in December and January. So he was right spot on the money for that one. Really? Other than that, we're not clear at the moment exactly what causes it or why. And I'm on one or two Facebook groups where we discuss this and there are no common denominators all of the way across the spectrum. So some people say, well, is it because I have my dog immunized? And others will say, you know, well, I didn't have my dog uh, immunized with that. And whatever it is that people come up with thinking it's a common cause, other people say, well, no, it isn't. So there's no single one cause that we can that we can point at. And is it something that is desk isolated to, to eyesight? I'm, I'm assuming he's not in pain or... Yeah, no, he's, he has no pain at all because his eyes are otherwise, ironically, as I say, completely fit and healthy. He's not in any kind of pain. He doesn't need any kind of eye drops or anything like that. All that you would notice if you looked at his eyes is the pupils are always very, very large, basically because the brain knows it can't see anything. So it's sending a message to the pupils, to the eye, saying, well, you know, I need some light here. So the pupils are increasing in size to try to fulfill that instruction. And of course, there's nothing there. So he's not got any sort of like clouding or anything like that, just really large pupils. Okay. And I'm assuming that uh, this, I mean, dogs are very, very adaptable, um, but I assume in something this is, you can't miss it. it. It's something you'd definitely be able to notice your dog is suffering from an eyesight issue. Yeah, I have had people say to me, how did you know he was blind? And, you know, the simple, trite but accurate answer is he kept on walking into things. Right. And that's literally what it was, is he, he would walk into the door. The first time I really noticed, I was pretty sure that he was he had visual issues. But when we were going to be going for a walk, I just got him out of the car and he walked straight into a white car that was in front of him. And I thought that at that point, well, if he can't see a white car directly in front of him, then he simply can't see anything. And when we went for the diagnosis, basically there were electrodes placed on either side of his head on the temple to measure the electrical activity 
in the brain and when you shine a light onto the eyes the activity should spike but with him it just completely flatlined okay and has it visibly given him any distress no it hasn't i'm pausing at that point because certainly the when he had gone blind for a good couple of weeks he was very depressed it was it was very difficult to get him to do anything he literally would just stay on his bed or on the sofa and he didn't want to go anywhere or do anything but that as i say lasted for a couple of weeks and then we we spent i spent a lot of time with him working with him and he now he's he's fine again in in that respect so that's why I, I mentioned right at the outset i don't have a blind dog i have a dog that is blind hmm. and it's i think it's really important to make that distinction because he is first and foremost a dog and while we very understandably as human beings think that blindness is a terrible thing because for us if we're going to lose any of our senses the loss of sight is probably the worst one of all so we we tend to think in those human terms but with a dog sight is really only their third sense after the sense of smell and the sense of hearing so to try to make a more accurate analogy it's if we as human beings maybe lost our sense of taste or our sense of smell or even our sense of touch it would be a real nuisance and very frustrating to begin with until we adapted to it but it wouldn't stop us doing everything else that we do hmm. and he's he's just the same he likes going for his walks he likes running in the park he likes his his treats he's he's a generally a very happy dog one that simply can't see has it meant you've had to change anything at all yes it does mean that the furniture in the house pretty much has to stay exactly where it is um, i put thick textured rugs at the top and the bottom of the stairs so that he he knew when he was either at the top or at the bottom um, because prior to that he he wasn't sure uh, so i wanted to make that easier for him um, there were things that i noticed that he did uh, walk into so the edges of doors for example so i had to get some pipe insulating plastic and put those around the edge of doors or the edge of tables or anything where he was likely to, to bash his head so those are the major things that i've done that's that's slightly different uh, when we go on walks we do tend to stick to the same places that we've that we've always walked uh, so we go to Naughty Wood, for example, and I can let him off the lead and he can take a walk round um, both the, the easy walk and, and a much longer route. So in, in total, you know, he can be walking for like 70 or 80 minutes and he's completely off lead and he requires minimal instruction from me. So I'll tell him to come back or this side or that side or straight ahead or careful, for example. But he he pretty much knows where he is and what he's doing. That's amazing. He will miss like a bench, for example, by about half an inch. 
And originally I thought, oh, that's lucky. But when you realize that the dog does it continually, then it's not like he knows where that, that bench is. It does mean that I do have to let him walk into things, which is horrible to, to see. But it's the best way that he has of working out where there is an obstruction. And that's the best way that he has of learning it. So if we go to a friend's house, for example, and he goes into the garden, what he will do completely by himself without any input from me, he will find a fence and he will walk around the outside of the garden, following the line of the fence or the bushes or whatever it happens to be. Uh, and then he will circle in until he gets to the center of the garden and that allows him to map the garden out in his brain and so if there's any obstructions in the way you know he, he bonks into them works out what they are where they are and then adds that into his map and then he, he's pretty much okay going around the garden from then onwards that's amazing because actually i don't know to be honest but i imagine a lot of people would struggle to do that oh yeah i mean i i i'm certainly completely incapable of doing stuff like that you know when you think of the fact that we will go across to queen's park and he wanders off and does his own thing and sniff it around in the grass and so on and i carry on walking and then i will call him and he will run to me now i don't know about you alan but i'm certainly not prepared to run with my eyes shut in queen's park even if i know that i'm not going to run into anything no definitely not that's because he's a dog and he doesn't think the way that humans do. So he doesn't think, oh, I'm scared. I'm liable to run into something. He just does it because he's a dog and he's a blind dog second. And it, it's really important to always keep that in the back of in the back of your mind. Yeah, quite. And you mentioned right at the beginning, one of the first things you noticed was when you were throwing a ball to him. Um, is that something you can still do? It's less easy now. I, I can still play with him, but it does have to be with balls that have got a, a bell or something inside them. So, you know, he used to love racing after his balls, so we simply can't do that anymore. But we can, you know, there's plenty of other games that we can play. And I do ensure that on a regular basis, he does have a chance to sniff things out around the house. So I'll, I'll get some dried sprats, for example, and he has to hunt them down and he enjoys that kind of game and there are plenty of other sort of brain games where things food is, is hidden in boxes that he has to try to work his way into and he enjoys those just as much now as he would ever have done beforehand hmm. and we're approaching what can be a really really tricky or right in the middle of a possible really really tricky time of year for people with dogs if they don't like fireworks and things like that has that altered how he is with fireworks at all no he he has always been a dog that's been really scared of fireworks mm. and thunder that hasn't changed and i i don't expect that it will do one slight oddity was as with many dogs have he was always scared of the vacuum cleaner it would always freak him out completely but since he's gone blind and he can't see it he hears it but it doesn't bother him. And so I can hoover all of the way around him where he's lazing around on, on the middle of the carpet. And he's not bothered by that anymore. 
That's interesting, isn't it? Because I would have assumed that the fear of the vacuum cleaner was the noise, but maybe it wasn't. Exactly. Well, certainly not for him, it's not. Um, so, you know, there are very few silver linings to be got out of this situation, but I'll grab any that I can. Uh, and that is one of them. You know, he's he's not bothered in that respect. But unfortunately, with fireworks and, the, and thunder, yeah, he still does get a bit freaked out about it. And, you know, we just do what we've, we've, we've always done with that, you know, just sit with him and wait until it blows over um, the next day. He's, he's seldom had problems. Occasionally, his, his mental map fails him. And so he will walk into a wall in the house and then that will start to panic him. So he'll turn and he'll start to run and he'll hit another wall and turn and do the same thing again so on those few occasions and it is two or three times i've had to physically get hold of him and just stop him moving which when you've got a fair-sized labrador is is something to do and then when he has calmed down again i have to literally take him by the scruff of the neck take him back to his crate or his bed or somewhere like that that he knows for him to recognize where he is and then he kind of reboots that mental map and he's fine again yeah okay and i imagine this that those episodes in particular sound very distressing but this whole thing must have been quite hard on yourself how did you find it yes uh, it's not easy but i'm i'm the one with the problem he hasn't got the problem and if if you have a blind dog, the dog will adapt much quicker than the owner does. And yeah, it's distressing. Uh, on one occasion, when he had one of those those particular episodes about bouncing into things, he did fall downstairs, and he went downstairs on his stomach, and he got to the bottom. He turned around. He looked up the stairs at where I was. As if to say, well, you know, where's my breakfast? <laughs> uh, and he, he wasn't bothered. So it really is, is down to the owner of the dog. And one of the things there that I find interesting is that I've, I've talked to a lot of owners of blind dogs, as you would imagine, very often on, on various Facebook groups. There's quite a lot of groups that are out there. And some owners say that their dog's become very timid and very scared and they don't want to leave the house or anything like that and this is me playing amateur psychologist i think it's because that's what the owner is feeling the owner is scared on behalf of the dog and the owner doesn't want to take the dog out and the dog will pick up on that we all know that dogs pick up on the the very subtle signals that we give and with rusty I expect him to go outside of the front door. I expect him to find where the car is, to walk to the back of the car. I expect him to jump into and out of the boot. I expect him to go around Queen's Park by himself. And he has, I think, learned from the level of confidence that I give off, as it were. And because I feel confident and I think he can achieve all of those things, he does achieve all of those things. And so for me, it's a question of ensuring that 
I don't give off any vibes about being worried or scared or concerned. Mm. And so if he tries to jump into the to the boot of the car, for example, and he doesn't and he falls back and he scrabbles onto the floor again, it's just I, I just say, well, stupid dog, do it again. Yeah. Uh, and the second time he actually does it. And I think if you were uh, an observer, you'd think, my God, that owner's really cruel. You know, he's not helping at all. But if I start fussing over him and he will then get that message of, oh, jumping into the back of the car is a really difficult thing for me to do. My dad's worried about it. Therefore, it's something I've got to be concerned about. Whereas if I just say, well, just get in the back of the car. You know, you didn't do it the first time. Do it the second time. Um, and he, he he gets that level of confidence and that's pretty much how he works from there on yeah and it's um it's interesting we see very very similar things uh when they're food related to in the shop definitely um a lot of people um making the assumption their dog needs treats needs this needs uh not going to eat that so we're we allow them to have that not gonna and things like that and we we see a lot of that side of stuff in the shop um so i can imagine it's it's a very very similar story as you were talking there i was wondering as well because you see uh, various dogs with coats on with things written on them reactive dog for example do you have anything for him yes i do um i have a harness which says blind dog and i have a sheath that goes onto the onto the lead which says blind dog and i have to say i've had some of the most amusing conversations as a result of that because people look at it and a common conversation will be oh you're training him are you <laughs> and i say no i'm not training him that's what he is and they say oh fully trained then and i say no fully blind um, a lot of people think that he's either being trained to be a guide dog for the blind um, or that he already is trained and that I am the one that can't see. I was putting him into the back of the the car. We went a car park up at uh, Noisy Wood and I'd got the boot open and I was sort of like telling him to get into the back of the car. And a guy was watching and he said to me, um, oh, so it's the dog that's blind, is it? Uh, and I said, well, I hope so, mate, because I'm the one that's driving us home. <laughs> um, and I think probably the best one that I had again we were in Noisywood and we were walking around the paths and a lady came up and you know she was she was very nice very solicitous and she said oh you're very confident and I said yeah thanks very much and I explained that walking around the wood you know if you're on the gravel you know you're on the path and it's really easy if you can't feel the gravel underneath then you've gone onto the grass so you know I was explaining all of that to to her I said you know he's he's been blind since the beginning of the year and she sort of like looked somewhat askance and said the dog's blind and i said yes that's right the dog's blind and she went oh my god you're both blind <laughs> and i went no that, that that's really not how this works <laughs> <laughs> i am the seeing-eyed human he's the dog that can't see hmm. and it happened a lot i think most people now you know when they see us in the woods they 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 we've had this conversation before and yeah you know, i don't mind it. it you know it's nice that 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 people are happy enough to talk and chat and and 
you know, we, we do have some really interesting conversations as a result. But it, it does amuse me that, you know, people will think that he's the one that can see and I'm the one that can't. <laughs> and for people who, who see a dog, maybe it says as says blind dog on, on the lead or on the harness, is there anything they should do differently as they approach the dog? No, I don't think so, because he's still a dog. Hmm. And so he will be able to scent that somebody is coming up. Hmm. You know, obviously, you don't pet a dog without checking with the owner first. Mm. And exactly the same thing happens with a dog that, that can't see, you know, check with the owner, ask if it's OK to, to pet the dog. And Rust has always, always been a very laid back, calm, relaxed animal. And he's quite happy with it. So I think I'd say there, just treat a dog that's, that's blind in the same way that you would treat any other dog. Um, you can tell if it's a blind dog or not because the colour coding is black and white. Um, I know that some reactive dogs ha will, would have like a yellow, for example, but a, a blind dog will have black and white. Right. Okay. And it should it should say blind dog, hmm. which I had originally thought would have explained it quite clearly, but you know people do have different interpretations of exactly what that that means. But yeah. He's he's very happy to be petted. He does really play the, oh, I'm a poor blind dog. I can't see anything. Please give me treats. <laughs> he's very, very good at doing that. And he wheedles treats out of people. It's just embarrassing sometimes. <laughs> but, you know, that's, I think that's part and parcel of him being a Labrador as much as anything else. Mm. But mm. yeah, I, I'm, I'm very happy if, if people want to pet him. And children i'm happy if you know the parents check with the child and so on and with me he's fine you know he'll just stand there being petted generally because he knows he's going to get a treat at the end of it <laughs> excellent and um because of uh because of the condition he he had has he got any ongoing um treatment at all no there's nothing i can do for him there's no treatment there's no cure he is just completely blind. The retina uh, at the back of the eye has completely disintegrated. It it did have a lot of negative things initially. And most dogs that have got SARDS, Sudden Acquired Retinal Degeneration uh, Syndrome, they drink a huge amount. They put on a lot of weight. They tend to have accidents indoors. And that takes some some getting used to but those symptoms do tend to fall off after about three or four months mm. he will and again nobody's really quite sure about this he will probably die from liver failure again dogs that have got this autoimmune disease that he has do tend to die because of problems with their liver there's there's no understanding as yet as to why that occurs but there's enough anecdotal evidence to say that a lot of the dogs that have got this condition do die of that so he does get checked on a, a regular basis to make sure that his liver is still functioning properly he as a consequence will not live the full life of a, a labrador sort of 14 or 15 years of age i expect probably i'll get another two years if i'm lucky but, you know, you never know. Um, some dogs that have got SARDS, they will happily live six, seven, eight, nine years. 
um, after uh, diagnosis. It's very much down to uh, the individual dog and the way that they cope with that particular condition. Mm. And he sounds like he's very adaptable. Yes, he is. He's he's always been a very calm, very placid, happy dog. There isn't that much that actually phases him at all. And he, you know, he, he plods along, you know, quite happily. And that's why I say, you know, he's a dog that's blind rather than he's a blind dog. And I treat him as a dog first um, and as a dog that can't see second. Uh, and I think that for, for me, that's that's a very important thing to be aware of. It does uh, at the outset sound very scary and no one's actually said it to me, but I have had people say, well, you know, it's only fair to have the dog put down. That's because people are thinking about the dog in human terms mm -hmm. rather than in dog terms. And in dog terms, yeah, it's a nuisance that he can't see. And, you know, he clearly finds that it's, it's, it's a nuisance. But his sense of smell more than takes place of, of that. And because of the way in which dogs are able to smell, he is able to triangulate where things are. And yeah, it's a nuisance, but it, it, it doesn't really badly affect his, his life or his lifestyle. It's, it's an irritation. It's no more than that. Yeah. And he's still keen to get out for his walks. And, you know, nothing there has changed, to be honest. Yeah. And you mentioned uh, before we before we hit record, we might be lucky enough to see him in the shop at some point. Yeah. I, you know, I, I do like to ensure that he has as many different experiences as possible. So while we do tend to stick to our general routine of specific walks, I took him down to the seaside the other day and he was able to have a bit of a dabble in the water. We go to friends' houses. You know, I'm quite happy to take him to shops and things like that. One thing he's not very good at is with pubs because there's quite a, you know, obviously there's quite a lot of noise in the pub, which makes it difficult for him. Um, and lots and lots of table legs and chair legs. So it's very difficult to sort of like move into a position where he can sit comfortably and happily so i suppose that's one of the things where you know i don't take into a pub now as often as i used to but other than that you know I, I do like to make sure that he gets lots of different experiences and you know that that does mean yeah coming out and going to shops and you know things of that nature and enjoying life having fun just like any other dog does hmm. excellent and um you mentioned you speak to other people who have got dogs uh, who are blind. Um, is there lots of people out there? I've talked to a few on the Billericay Dogs Group and there's about half a dozen that I can think of offhand. Um, so, you know, that's, that's always been useful to, to share experiences that way. Most of the experiences that I share are on one of the Blind Dogs Groups or the SARS Dog Groups on Facebook. Uh, so that's always a useful place to go and get ideas and thoughts and opinions. So at that point, that that's very difficult because on a group like that, all of the dogs generally are, are blind. So it's it's still something I think that that's very unusual. You also get blind and deaf dogs. You know that happens, and they are still, you know, happy doing what they're doing because it's the the, the key sense is the one of smell and and. 
you can't overestimate how important that is for a dog by far and away the most important thing that they've got and i know when people um go blind they you often hear the stories of the other senses being heightened do we know whether that happens with dogs i i i would imagine that it does i I can tell you that it certainly has with him because you know when we're going around and uh, somebody stops to pet him he knows exactly where their treats are or if they haven't got treats so i think yes his sense of smell has increased he spends a lot of time sniffing around more than he used to so i think he's 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 getting a lot of his his enrichment now through sniffing stuff out so as a result the walks that we have are much longer because you know i will let him off the lead and he just wanders off somewhere and spends a lot of time sniffing stuff out which he always used to do but he does it an awful lot more now and you know he's he's tail will be wagging as he's found something you know um, interesting and he's 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 very happy in that respect so yeah i think that sense has definitely increased for him hmm. excellent and for for people out there who maybe have concerns that their dog is uh, either losing their their eyesight or maybe it's not as good as it used to be what would you say to them Oh, well, obviously the first thing to do is to go and get your dog checked because there could be a lot of different reasons. My dog has, as we've said, SARD, sudden acquired retinal degeneration syndrome, but other dogs might go blind because of glaucoma or diabetes or cataracts, for example. And so you really do need to get a veterinary expert's opinion on exactly what is going on with their eyesight because they they might need drops to ensure that the eyes don't get get dry they might need painkillers for example they might even need to have the eyes removed which again you know that sounds horrific as far as we're concerned but again as far as the dog's concerned if they can't see anyway then it doesn't matter if they physically got the eyes there or not and i can understand why why people's stomachs would would, would churn a little bit of that but it can be in the dog's best interest for that to happen. So I think the, the first thing that I'd say there is, yes, you've got to go and get your dog checked with your with your vet and share any concerns or issues that you've got. And they, there could well be lots of different treatments available. The other thing I think that's worthwhile saying is, again, talking to the owner, it sounds as though it's going to be a dreadful, horrific, awful thing. And I certainly thought that that would be the case. You know, you know, the idea of having a blind dog, I was thinking, you know, this this is going to be terrible. You know, how do I deal with this? What do I do with him? It's actually far less of a problem than you would think. And a lot of people that see him in the house, they don't realise that he can't see. If we're out in Queen's Park, he's off the lead, he's wandering around. And again, they're really surprised when I say, oh, yes, you know, he's he's completely blind it's not a total disaster your dog will learn to adapt and your dog will adapt far more quickly and far more effectively than you will absolutely guarantee it your dog will spend a certain period of time depressed but then they jump out of it and they adapt and as long as you sort of 
don't move things around in the house and, and, and do whatever you need to to make the dog's life a little bit easier, your dog's going to be perfectly fine. Out of the two of you, the one that's going to have the issues is you, not the dog. Yeah. And yeah, I, I, I want to be optimistic here. I'm being deliberately optimistic. But that's because that's the way that it works, that the dogs are less concerned about the loss of eyesight than the owners. They will they will adapt perfectly happily and they will get on perfectly happily. It won't be an issue for them. Hmm. And I think that's a fantastic note to to leave it on. And it's it's really nice to hear that and to hear it from someone who's who's been through it all. Yeah, it's a pleasure. If anybody, you know, does want to to talk to me or, you know, even if they, they want to come and see how how Rusty works his way around the house or queen's park or in the woods or anything like that uh, i'm very happy to help if i if i can do at all just get hold of me i'm on facebook the best thing to do is find the billericke dogs facebook group and join that and then that's the easiest way to to get into contact with me but as i say if, if people have got questions or concerns or worries or they just want to see what life's like with a blind dog i'm i'm very happy to do whatever i can do to answer their queries Excellent. Well, well, thank you very much. And we'll definitely put the uh, the link to the Bill Ricky dog group uh, on the show notes so people can find it there. Great stuff. Brilliant. Thank you very much, Phil. That's a pleasure, Alan. Always nice to talk to you. And you, and we hope to see yourself and Rusty in the shop at some point. I shall certainly make sure we do. Yeah. Thank you. See you. Take care. Bye-bye. So that was my interview with Phil Bradley. Really great chat, and I certainly learned a lot. And it's really nice to see how adaptable dogs are and I think that will they'll bring a lot to a lot of people who have dogs that are struggling with things um, and perhaps as we learned from Phil they're, they're not struggling perhaps it's us as owners um, who are, are struggling with them more than the, the dogs are they certainly very very adaptable now that's the end of the podcast uh, coming up in the next couple of weeks we have Helen from Woofbox we had a great conversation with her she does a a treat box for dogs a subscription box which I know loads of you are going to love and it's nearly the new year um, so maybe it's the time to start treating your dogs to a subscription treat box so thank you for joining us uh, we obviously started this podcast uh, only a few months ago uh, but we've had a lot of fun doing it and I've certainly learnt a lot so have a happy new year to yourself and your your dogs as well have a great one <laughs>